What's going on, guys? This is another episode from Tales from the Lone Salesman. And today we're going to be talking about Journey to Japan, Part 2. So we're going to start off with something called a Jiko Shokai, which is an introduction. Now, I've already introduced myself several times, but this time I'm going to do it in Japanese. So it's going to be very short, and I'm not going to go too much in depth. I'm not going to have a full podcast in Japanese or anything, but I just kind of wanted to do it and show that I do know a little Japanese. It's not the best, but here it goes. Yoroshiku onegaishimasu. Namai wa poori desu. Shushin wa emerega desu. Yonen gurai nihon ni tsunde imashita. Mai no shugoto wa kaigun demo mada computer engineer o shimasu. Otoshi no shumi wa saikuringu. テレビゲームとか山をの述べています。以上です。That <laughs> was kind of rough. <laughs> I haven't had to do something like that in a long time, but when I first got to Japan, like I said before, I, I didn't know any Japanese, so something simple like that was, was very difficult for me. It still is sometimes since I've been working from home, I haven't had the opportunity to always use Japanese, obviously with my wife, but we use uh, the same Japanese mostly every day. So there's not always a chance for me to say something new or when I do learn new things, it's a little difficult to still apply it to everyday situations. So I'm still learning and that, like I said, still a little rough around the edges, but you know, previously I Studied by myself. Meaning I, I studied by myself. And later on, I ended up taking some college courses to help further or give me a structure of what to study from. So we had vocal practice, vocabulary, grammar. So we were, it was very fast paced. The first two weeks, we had to memorize hiragana and katakana and learn a little kanji. So that was a little difficult, but what helped me out a lot was just writing down the hiragana, the alphabet, and then spelling out words that I knew. Like, for example, ramen. So I would just remember, oh, it's a uh, ra. It can be very difficult to study. You know, I started off with simple things like I read a stop sign and it says tomare, stop. And I think I mentioned some of this in the last podcast, so I'll try to give out some new examples, right? So let's talk about grammar for a second, specifically conjugations. So I, I mentioned before the formal and informal ways of saying stuff like nomu or nomimas or nomitai, stuff like that. One of the biggest things in Japanese is the conjugations of verbs. So we have taberu, for example. We have the regular unconjugated way, taberu, the formal, tabimas, tabimashita, which is the past tense, um, present tense, or what you're doing, like I'm eating, tebeteru, tebeteimas. And uh, let's just throw in, like, oh, let's go eat, tabimashou, tabeyo. So 
those are just a few examples of how you can conjugate that word. Whereas you have a word like nomu, which when you conjugate it formal way, nomimasu, nomimashita, or nondeimasu. <laughs> See how I changed that a little bit there? That's because it's one of those verbs, or just because the ending of the verb changes the sound of the middle part. So, like in a less formal way, it would be nonda, nonde, or nomo. So, it changes just a little bit. And all these words, you're like, what are, what are you saying? <laughs> If you're non-Japanese, you're like, I don't, I'm not following. Basically, what I, the point is that there's a lot that goes into it, and it's not close to English at all. In fact, the structure is almost closer to Spanish a little bit. But without getting too much into detail, basically, for the first couple of years while I was in Japan, I mostly studied by myself. Like when I was in the Navy, when I was on off-watch or off-duty. I'm on the ship just hanging out or, you know, I'm on, I'm stuck there anyway. I, you know, I study a little bit if I have the time, if I finished all my duties and maintenance, whatever, you know, why not? And it took those, those little moments, like 10, 20 minutes at a time really helped kind of progress me, but it wasn't quite enough to get to where I wanted to be. So that's why later on, I still had to take a little bit more seriously and take it a step further. I had friends and peers who were way ahead of me, and it took me a while to catch up to them. What usually happens is a lot of people get to a comfortable spot, and they kind of just stop learning from there, because either A, their partner can understand them from there, and they don't need any more, or B, it's like their partner is going to take care of mostly everything for them anyway, or they just feel like they don't need it. Like if you're in Tokyo... There's a lot of English-speaking references and resources anyway, so you don't quite need it. So one of the main reasons, you know, I met my wife shortly after I came to Japan for the second time, and obviously I wanted to learn the language. And I decided while dating, I wanted to live here, and I made that my conviction. I was like, okay. If I'm going to live here, I need to know the language, so I got to study. I can't always rely on her because half the time we would go out, she was taking care of everything, doing all the reservations, taking care of all this stuff, and I'm, I just felt useless, so um, I wanted to pull my weight. So let's talk about how I got to Japan for the second time. Now, like I mentioned, I was in the Navy, and... I ended off by saying, okay, I wanted to go to Japan again. So after spending a few months in the States, I did some school and I took some leave back, back home in my hometown. And then after that, I was on my way to Japan, which was, it was a 14 hour flight. I hate flying back home and I hate flying to and from the States and Japan. It, it's a very long flight. Even if you're flying from LA to Japan, it's still like, seven to nine hours depending on the route they take so it can take quite a long time and where I, I live in the midwest so it's an additional like three or four hours from when i go to la so 
it's a long trip. Plus, you have the layover, the security check-in, all that crap. I hate going through it every time, but I dread going through it with my my daughter. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough. So I got to Fukuoka, and then I had my supervisor there. He was waiting for me. He had drove. And I'm looking up and I see all these crazy like advertisement boards. Uh, you know, it looked cool to me. I, I thought it was nice. Like I was in the city. Fukuoka is basically the largest city in Kyushu area. So if you don't know what Kyushu is, it's basically the southern western part of Japan where it has Nagasaki, Kumamoto, Fukuoka, like I mentioned, Oita, and Kurume, all these Shimonoseki, so all these cities and towns that maybe you don't, you're not fully aware of, but uh, actually the history from Japan originates from Kyushu, and it's got a lot of history and culture down here, especially when it comes to food. Oh my God. Fukuoka food is amazing. If you're ever there, there's just so much good food there, especially the infamous Hakata ramen, which is, in my opinion, the best ramen in Japan that you can get. In Tokyo, you can get it, but to me, it's not quite the same. It's just, the, it's a tonkotsu style broth. So basically, like a pig broth, and it is just so creamy and delicious. Like, and the noodles, the men. Perfect. When you go get your noodles, get them barikata. Usually, it means katai, hard, but barikata is the special way they say it down here in Kyushu. It's like super hard. And I prefer it that way. It's not like as crazy as you think, like the moruchan uh, noodles where it's like styrofoam. No, it's, it's very good because the thing is with the noodles is they're going to cook inside the broth when they give you the bowl. So if you get them too soft, they're going to be too soggy. So I like to get them a little bit harder so that way, even if they you know get soggy, it's still not that much. It's just, just right. Trust me. If you ever, next time you get ramen, do it. If you say barikata in the States, they might not know what you're saying. So uh, just... I don't know if they have that option in the States. I, I typically don't get Japanese food while I'm in the States because it's usually disappointing, but usually sushi is fine. It's late. It's like midnight. And so we're driving back to Sasebo where the naval station was at. And man, once we left the city, there was no lights on the highway. It was pitch black. And I was sleeping for most of it, but I would wake up and I'd be like, where are we? Like, what, what's going on? And usually during the daytime, you can see the rice fields, you can see the mountains. Nah, if you're going at nighttime, it is pitch black. Like, you can see the outline of the mountains and a few buildings here and there and the love hotels. Uh, that's another thing. At, at every IC or uh, exit, there's usually a love hotel, at least out here in the country. Why that is, I don't know. Maybe like if couples going for a long drive and they want to take a rest, then they just stop there and stop at the hotel. Maybe, I don't know. So I always thought that was interesting. But anyway, we're going to Sasebo. We finally get there. I'm like completely disoriented and, you know, I go to the barracks and I'm completely jet lagged because, you know, it's a 14 hour difference and 
that is it, it it's hard to get over. It takes like a day or two for some people. I've gotten used to it. That's a little bit about Kyushu, and I'll talk a little bit about Sasebo. So Sasebo, the big navy town, not just the U.S. Navy, but the JMSDF, the Japan Self-Defense Force. They have their own little mil. It's kind of like a joint military base, and they have their own buildings and ships out there. And as well, they have the SSK, and they have a big shipyard. They got all these cranes, and they got these dry docks, all kind. You know, so that I think that's where most of the money comes from. And of course, they have their little downtown area where they got a shopping street, a mall. Uh, it's very quaint, not too big. But one thing about Sasebo is is known for is its burgers. They call it the Sasebo Burger, Sasebo Baga. Basically, that was made from when America occupied Japan after World War II. They were like, okay, we need to make, you know, I mean, when things got friendlier, obviously, they wanted to make a burger that Americans would like. So they figured, oh, Americans like a big burger. They like all the fries, all that stuff. So it's a blend of Japanese-style burger and American burger. It tastes so good. They're very juicy. Uh, Traditionally, you know, it's like this big. And what they recommend you doing is to squish it down, and then you kind of just get it all there, and it's just easy to eat. I always thought Saspo was really nice until I started traveling. So I was there for a month and then my buddy was like, Hey, we're going to Fukuoka. And I'm like, Fukuoka, like, I don't know. I, I never thought about going there by myself cause it was a big city and I didn't know any Japanese. So I figured I'd be lost, but turns out it was Halloween weekend. So I was like, Oh, okay. Must be fun, I guess. And let me tell you, Japan doesn't celebrate Halloween officially. They don't do trick-or-treating or anything like that. But let me tell you, the nightlife, everyone dresses up. Everyone has fun with it. Women, they dress in like little sexy outfits. Guys, they do they go crazy with it. Everyone goes crazy with it. Some of them are really creative. Some of them are just like goofy. You know, everyone's having fun. And then everyone just goes to the club, gets fucked up. And then in Tokyo, they actually celebrate Halloween for the whole week. From week to weekend to weekend, because some people like if it doesn't, Halloween doesn't always fall on a weekend, so they just do it the whole week because everyone's got different work schedules, so everyone's off on different days. So the streets are just packed. And Fukuoka for that first year, it was super packed. Like, and I didn't have a costume, so I just had a button up shirt with some like kind of like a bandana design. And it was black, and I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I should get something, right? Everyone was like, yeah, you need to get something. Because they were dressed up as Abraham Lincoln. They were all dressed up. I thought that was funny. It was like six six of them all dressed up as Abraham Lincoln. And so I, I we stopped by the shop, and I bought this little skull mask. And I was like, fuck it. Why not use use this, you know? We're at the club, and everyone's dancing, having a good time. And we went to a few spots, and it was pretty normal. Drinks are good. And then we take us, they take us to this one place where it's Nomihodai or all you can drink. And I was like, what? Like all you can drink. And basically you can get all you can drink cocktails and draft beer. Now some izakayas and other bars have this system as well. However, the drinks aren't always like high standard, you know, they give you the, like the lower end stuff, but still, I mean, all you can drink is still all you can drink. Right. 
you know, they, they dim it down. I mean, it's not like super strong, but after we've been there for such a long time, you know, we can ask for a stronger drink if we want. So we, we were there like every weekend. So anyway, this is my first time going out and I was like, damn, this is like so much fun meeting so many people. And then I finally meet my wife. So our eyes just kind of met and it was just, I don't know something was there and we just spent the whole night together, dancing, talking, and, you know, going to other clubs together. I kind of felt bad for my friends because I kind of ditched them. And I was kind of like one of the only guys to, you know, hang out with the chick. They were all just having fun. I mean, we were all having fun. So um, I kind of disappeared for the night. And at the end of the night, we exchanged contact info and, you know, we kept talking and kept meeting her in Fukuoka. And she would take me to new places new uh spots to eat like there was a ramen festival and you know every every weekend was like an adventure you know like we would she would she loved traveling and so did i so i was always open to like new you know new places or just new spots to go like i wasn't afraid to not eat something or you know not go to a new place so we went to so many places one of those places was nagasaki now nagasaki obviously one of the second nuclear bombs struck there. So there is actually a memorial there, a peace park dedicated for that, where the bomb actually landed. It's, it's very somber place. It's hard for me to go. I have a hard time going there often, but uh, I, I like to enjoy the other parts of Nagasaki, such as uh, the Chinatown. It's not as big as Yokohama, but during Chinese new year, if you're around that area, it's it's really nice. You see all the big zodiac sign floats. Really cool. I love I love going there every single time. Food's really good too. And otherwise, they have this cool little trolley system, kind of like San Francisco, if you've ever seen. So Nagasaki and Hiroshima both have that same system. It's really difficult to drive sometimes because they have these big slopes and the trolley's on top of it. So it can be a little daunting at times, but otherwise they also have a big like dedication to like Christianity and other, you know, Nagasaki was a big port city as well. So they had a lot of different commerce and collaboration with other countries, such as uh, Dutch countries and European countries. And of course, America. So there's a uh, lover park is actually park dedicated to that. And, and some of those people that helped boost the Japanese economy and trading. The snacks, of course, are always good. Uh, omiyage in Nagasaki is these uh, pudding cakes. They're, they're very delicious. Uh, man, like Nagasaki food is so good. So if you don't know, omiyage is basically a Japanese term for souvenir. And everywhere you go has a different type of omiyage or special type of snack or something you buy in that area. So the tradition is, let's say like I go to, let's say I take vacation from work. I go visit a new place. I go buy omiyage and share it with my family and friends or coworkers too. It's kind of like sharing that experience with other people because they didn't get to go. So it's, it's a cool tradition that we like to do. Uh, half the time we just eat it ourselves, but you know, we try to get something for uh, my wife's mother or I try to get some from our friends or family sometimes. Yeah. Nagasaki is an interesting place, not a place to party, 
but you know, every place in Japan has a small nightlife area. Not exactly clubs, but you know, izakayas, bars, you know, stuff like that. I always like that stuff. I mean, I love going to like a small izakaya or something, getting some food. Izakayas have these huge menus full of so many. Like some of them are limited to just like yakitori or like uh, fried onigiri or you know, little stuff like that. But I don't know all the names of the dishes, but uh, of course, like you can start off with a good salad, some some sashimi as well. And of course, like a large selection of beer, sake, shochu, stuff like that. Man, we always end up spending at least like ichimayan or $100 every time between me and my wife. So it can be expensive, but it's always fun. Like we never regret it. There's one actually by our house that we love going to because it's a quiet mom and pop shop. Like all these places, there's so many like family businesses. Some places have been around for years. You know, you see this old oyaji and baba or uh old man and old woman and they're just there they're making everything they're like the master chefs and they got like young staff helping them out sometimes it's just their family i think it's amazing it's so fun like i love going to those little places chain restaurants or corporate restaurants they're, they're good too they can have some flashy or good food but some of those old mom and pop shops are really good and also i want to mention about kyushu which is also known for now Japan has many different onsen towns or areas, but Kyushu has a lot of them because there's so many different mountains and I loved hiking. So I, I did actually hike a few mountains here down in uh, Kyushu, but they weren't obviously as tough as Mount Fuji. So the onsens are very relaxing, man, like man, like the hot springs, they're basically, you know, you know what a uh, you know hot spring it's like kind of sulfur so it does kind of smell bad like that rotten egg smell but it's actually really good for your skin plus they usually add like herbs and stuff also to the onsen to kind of give you different healing remedies for your skin it's super hot they're usually around like 40 celsius so sometimes you can cool it off but you know i can only be there for maybe like 10 20 minutes at a time because otherwise you start getting lightheaded so it can be a little overwhelming for some people, especially if you have like high blood pressure. Now, I do also want to mention that most public onsens don't allow tattoos. Now, this is slowly changing. And if you go to some of the more modern ones in Tokyo, they don't care. But otherwise, if you have tattoos, it's always safe to just book like a private one with you and your partner or you just by yourself. Personally, I prefer it that way anyway because I just enjoy the privacy. And plus, uh, I really enjoy the outdoor onsens, especially in the wintertime. Now you're thinking crazy, like what, you're going to get naked and then go outside? But trust me, it is the best time to go, especially, you know, winterish time of year. I love it. And plus, you do it at nighttime, you see the sky, the stars. Most of the time, these places are out in the country, so there's not too much light pollution. So you're just chilling in the moonlight in the onsen, you see the stars. It is just beautiful. I love it. So highly recommend you do that if you're in Japan or if you haven't done it before. Speaking of tattoos, I also want to mention that tattoos kind of have a weird history here in Japan. Now, the reason why they have such a bad connotation is because back in the day when they used to punish soldiers or when they used to punish prisoners, they would give, mark them with tattoos. So all these people who are marked, 
they kind of took a pride in it. And that's how some of the traditions of the Yakuza formed is because they all mark themselves with tattoos because it's like a brotherhood. And for them, it was like a pride that they're proud of who they are. So typically Onsen's, you know, when they see a gang of, or they see a group of people with tattoos, they assume that they're Yakuza. I mean, that's if you're Japanese. Now, if you're American, it's a little different. I expect this to be a little different. I mean, it's kind of normal and commonplace here. So most people are friendly about it, unless maybe you have like some scary looking tattoos. But for me, I have like Godzilla based tattoos. So everyone thinks it's cool. I I actually got one of them in, in Fukuoka. So everyone always asks me about it. And I only get positive, you know, stuff from people about the tattoos. They always like, ah, oh, like, sige, sugoi, ah, oh, kakui, you know, or kai, you know, stuff like that. Like they say, it's cool. It's, uh, they say it's, uh, interesting or, or something. And it, it's nice. And everyone always wants to take a picture too. It, it's a good, uh, conversation starter for sure. You know, people usually, bring it up before I do. I, I usually don't flash them out, but if I'm wearing like a short sleeve t-shirt, then, you know, it kind of stands out. So if you have tattoos, don't be too worried. People love them. They won't look at you weird. They might think it's like, you know, maybe some of the older people might give you weird looks, but uh, honestly, most people don't really care. So I'm going to wrap this episode up and basically kind of entails my first year and a half here in Japan, just kind of talking about Kyushu in general, and a little bit of experience of what I was learning in Japanese. Now, as the series continues, I will get a little bit more in depth on learning Japanese, just slightly more, and not to confuse the non-Japanese speakers. And also, I'm going to get into my second trip to Tokyo, going to Osaka, and uh, even when I went to EDC out here. Now, that that's a fun story. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all the support, and I'll see you next time. Lone Salesman out.